Welcome to Mortification of Spin, a casual conversation about things that count. With Carl Truman, Todd Pruitt, and Amy Bird. Mortification of Spin is a weekly podcast from the Alliance of Confessing Evangelicals. Let's join this week's conversation. Well, welcome to Mortification of Spin. This is Amy Bird, the housewife theologian, and I'm here with my co-host, Todd Pruitt, pastor of Covenant Presbyterian Church in Harrisburg, Virginia, mm-hmm. and Carl Truman, professor at Grove City College in Western Pennsylvania. Um, I wanted to just start out mm-hmm. kind of reminiscing, guys. I like that. Okay, yeah. Do you remember, I mean... When you guys invited me to come on. I do. I do. Yeah, it's, that, that moment haunts me. Exactly. I it's remember. I mean, it was, such, me it was such an enticing yeah. invitation because you said that you were putting together, you were doing this podcast that you just started, and it was for the balding, middle-aged, yes. overweight mm-hmm. men. Yeah. Bitter. Well, and we were bitter, bitter, as well. bitter. We I were forgot bitter. bitter. As well. yeah. More we, bitter we, than overweight. Exactly. We put overweight in there for Carl <laughs> mainly to make him feel comfortable, but yeah. <laughs> and I thought, you know, why not? I mean, who wouldn't mm-hmm. want to co-host exactly. with the balding and the bitter exactly. or the balding and the bitter? Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. mean, that is a great... Amy, you are meme. a rose among thorns, mm-hmm. you know, um, if, if, if nothing else... We make you look good in every conceivable way. <laughs> well, and I've learned a lot about the balding. Uh huh. I mean, sure. I learned that you guys are really underprivileged. We group. are the forgotten. We are forgotten people We're in the, society. We are truly yeah. forgotten. Yeah. It is because bald men have been forgotten and rejected that Donald Trump was elected. Yeah. Yeah. That's why. Yeah. And all this time they were blaming it on like evangelicals. Oh no no no! It's the bald. We have had enough. Had enough. And we're not going to take it anymore. Well, you know, and I was trying to give you some tips because, you know, you were saying balding men have a harder time when they sweat. We do. Exactly. Because the hair doesn't The hair does, the not hold, does not catch the we, sweat, and so it just flows you, freely down your face. You and don't I see it was, because you have hair privilege. I exactly. have hair privilege. Hair privilege. And, yep. and mm-hmm. I didn't understand that. But I think that an easy, great, fashionable solution, especially mm-hmm. when you're preaching, mm-hmm. would be to wear one of those 80s sweatbands. Oh, I remember those. Right across your forehead. A real Love ki- those Yeah, a kind of an Olivia Newton-John. Yes. Yeah. John Travolta thing. Yeah. yeah I like that. I, I think, I think, think the question out. is, does that constitute a head covering? Because it's, you know, a man should not pray mm. with his head covered. It's <laughs> a good so, point. A good I point. Think, <laughs> certainly in the OPC, we'd need some kind of uh, committee report, <clears throat> I think. On I, I would imagine the, the OPC would need that. In, yeah. Now, in the PCA, I think they're already widely used. Oh, so we're good okay. to go. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, then you'll just, you know, be one of the cool guys then. <laughs> That's right. Anyway. That's well, right. Todd and I, we are actually going to pitch to Crossway the... Uh, the bald guy's Bible. Exactly. Bald guy's when, when you Bible. think mm-hmm. of the of all yes. the categories of Bible out. available, uh-huh. the bald guy. I mean, there's that passage when Elisha is oh yes ferociously subjected to baldism mm-hmm. by and, those young men from them. from Jericho. God and killed and the those kids. Tear them to pieces. Exactly. I think uh, it's a justice for bald guys <laughs> it is. moment. A it justice is. for bald yeah, guys. Yeah, there should justice. be there should be some more literature bald, about that yeah, that yeah. we can read in our devotions. Yeah. Bald justice. We're going to. In fact, we're starting a new mission. We're going to call it to baldly go. 
Oh, to I like boldly that. go uh, where no man has gone the, the bold pride mm-hmm. moment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's a yeah, whole new so level of biblical manhood right I there. I like it. Yeah, I like yeah. it. Well, it's time. It's time for people to recognize not only yeah. what we've suffered, but also what we yeah. contribute. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's really why we do this Well, there thing. are some improvements. So you have that like spray suntan lotion yeah. now? Yes. That's yes. good. That, and that's, you know, the reason why I stay inside about... Uh, 98% of the time is because of, of the, the sun's effect on my beautiful dome. Mm-hmm. So uh-huh. Proverbs 37 verse 1, in the land of the ball, the one-haired man is king. Is king, yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> that, so. So, anyway, Amy, do you have anything? Uh, <laughs> this is really not what we're going to talk <laughs> yes. about the whole time. Oh, it's not? Mm-mm. I thought we were going to talk a half hour about bald- no, no, baldness. Yeah. No, I mean, I, th- I, think, I think we're kind of having some fun here because we're experimenting with a new location. We're in an underground bunker somewhere in western Pennsylvania. We've already toured Punxsutawney. It's been it, we're, we're we're knee deep in pierogies out here. So it's we're in great. the land where you can get malt vinegar on the table. Yeah, very very similar. That should be everywhere. That is English civilization. Like there you go. In Western Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So we're a bit giddy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I think what yeah. we're actually going to talk about today is how we treat our baptized babies and yes. children before they make a profession yeah. of faith. Exactly. And can I just make a disclaimer here? Mm-hmm. We're going to be talking. I just want everybody to know the three of us are Presbyterians. And that does not necessarily mean we hate Baptists. I was born and raised a Baptist. I came to faith in a Baptist church. I heard the gospel when I was a Baptist. So I just want to let some of our more sensitive Baptist listeners, because we do hear from you every once in a while, that if we employ Presbyterian verbiage, it's not necessarily because we, we hate we need, we need Baptists. A, we need a disclaimer. You know, the following show contains scenes of explicit Presbyterianism. <laughs> right, uh, right. Baptist discretion right. is advised. Right. We side. are very thankful for our Baptist listeners. Especially bald ones. Yeah. I think and you, I want yeah. to yeah. listen, some of my best friends are Baptists. So I want to get that out there as well. <laughs> you don't know any Baptists. I know Baptists. I live next card. door to Baptists. Oh, yeah. I live in a. I bet you'd never invite one for dinner. I live in a very Baptist neighborhood. I'll have you know. Oh, come on now. (laughs) Um, So I I say that because we are going to be talking about uh, what is unique about how those who are reformed, how how we understand our children and how they relate to the church and how the church relates to them, etc. And it all goes back to really our theology of of the covenant and uh, and what that means. And so. Carl, our understanding of how we are to treat, that is, we Christians, how Christians are to treat their children, in terms of Scripture, where's that rooted? Where would you direct somebody first? Well, I, I think one would first look to the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're a Peter Baptist, clearly your understanding of how the covenant works in the Old Testament is critical to understanding how you treat your children uh, under the covenant in the New Testament. Right. So one would look at how uh, children were treated, were dealt with within the, the covenant of Israel. And one of the things that I'd point to there is it's very clear in the Old Testament that uh, the covenant of Israel is not identical and coterminous with the election of God in the invisible church right. sense of the word. There are children within the bounds of the visible covenant who ultimately prove to be not of the true heavenly israel mm-hmm. if you could put it that way so that's where i would start and that's the the tension that that one would want to identify first of all right. i guess i would want to step back a moment haven't you know we we were pulling the legs of our baptist brothers and sisters a few minutes ago but mm-hmm. say the kind of question that we're dealing with is not unique to presbyterianism right every christian has to address 
the issue of how they treat their children. And I think in practice, there's often not a lot of difference between how Presbyterians right. and Baptists treat their children. Every Christian parent has to ask the question, do I pray for my children or mm -hmm. do I pray with my children? Mm -hmm. And I think the answer is all Christian parents do a bit of both. Right. On the one hand, most Christian parents will read the Bible with their children, perhaps teach them a catechism, mm -hmm. activities that sort of presuppose the idea that the child is a Christian in some way. Right. At the same time, those parents will also pray that the child comes to an earnest and vibrant faith mm -hmm. of their own. And I don't think that that is a problem that is unique either to Baptists or Presbyterians. Yeah. So I would want to say, on the one hand, yeah, we want to talk about how Presbyterianism affects how we treat our kids. In practice, I'm not convinced that there's a huge practical difference there's often not. between Baptists yeah. and, and Presbyterians. Having been raised Southern Baptist, I can tell you there's, there's not. And my parents would have had no concept of covenant theology. Um, they would have had no concept of visible slash invisible church. Um, they were Baptists through and through. Uh, you know, there had to be a time where I would pray and ask Jesus into my heart to become a Christian, et cetera. That was their framework. Um, and yet, from the time that I was an infant, I was treated by them and by my church like an insider. I was mm -hmm. treated like an insider. Right. And, and so, I prayed at the mm -hmm. dinner table. I said the Lord's Prayer. Right. And so, here I am, a, quote, unconverted outsider Mm -hmm. in, in theological terms, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven. Our Father. Exactly, mm -hmm. as, a, as a little child. I sang in children's choir. Mm -hmm. All of those things. I was treated like a covenant insider by folks who didn't have a theology of the covenant like that. And yet, I, I don't know if it's instinctual or what, Christian parents will treat their children not exactly like reprobates. <laughs> yeah. Because, yeah. Well, Do you have any video of you singing in the children's choir? Um, no, but there are plenty of photographs. I think, I think they, our listeners would probably be very interested in yeah. seeing. There were there were no there were no moving pictures back no. then. Did you, so did, you wear, did you wear little robes? I have some right? dogger types uh, of, of when I was in the choir, but other than that, no, and some sketches. Yeah, I mean, I think I grew, also grew up in a Southern Baptist <clears throat> church and very much had the same experience. Was raised with all the privileges mm -hmm. of being part of the covenant family, like right. we would call it, and and also I think the responsibilities. Yes, um, absolutely. You know, you're expected to... Be in church. You're expected to be in church every mm -hmm. Sunday. You're expected to participate. Mm -hmm. You're expected to grow in godliness. Exactly. And, and you were, we're taught, you and I, b before we had, quote, prayed the prayer and gotten saved, you and I were taught to pray. Mm -hmm. We were expected to pray. Right. And we, and we are expected to eventually make a profession of faith. Exactly. And here, I think, is where... Presbyterianism becomes important yes. because you're able, I think, within Presbyterianism to offer a rationale for doing right. that. Praise exactly. God that our Baptist brothers and sisters do that. That's mm -hmm. a good yes. thing. I think the problem they face is it's very difficult for them to provide a coherent rationale right. for that right. within their theology. Right. Within Presbyterianism, you can say, well, the, the child is within the bounds of the visible covenant and therefore not only the covenant promises, but also the covenant obligations are there right. presented to the child week by week or day by day for the child to claim. Right. Mm -hmm. And so therefore it makes all the sense in the world, not just from that, but going back to God's covenant with Abraham, it makes all the sense in the world then yeah. to place the covenant sign upon that little one. And, and what a beautiful thing it is to be able to say to that child who 
Baptist and Presbyterian alike, treat differently, but to be able to say to that child, you've borne the sign of the covenant all of your life since you were mm-hmm. how many weeks old or whatever, and you bear the covenant sign just like Isaac did. Mm-hmm. He, he bore that covenant There's sign. There's also a weight to that as well because if they do walk away mm-hmm. from the faith um, and don't make a profession, there is more of a, a consequential accountability there because they were raised mm-hmm. as a non-communicant right. member of the covenant community mm-hmm. and so they have been they've tasted grace exactly. like, like you see just in like Hebrews. you see in hebrews exactly and so it's also this weighty thing to do and i and i think in the baptist church you know part of the rationale for treating their children as covenant, covenant children yeah. is the the baby dedication yes but they put it on the parents then like right. i've dedicated my uh-huh. child to the church right. and so it becomes a work, not an act. Right, right, right. right. And, and the, the ironic thing about that is having grown up with baby dedications and having done, as a Southern Baptist pastor, baby dedications, you know, you always refer back to Samuel being presented, you know, in the mm-hmm. temple where he's presented, where he's dedicated to the Lord, but then you stop short because right after that, he receives the sign of the covenant. Right. <laughs> but you right. never cover that part. <laughs> right. Um, but, uh, you know, at, at going back to what we've all affirmed again to our, to our Baptist listeners, you are doing the right thing when you treat your children like covenant insiders. Mm-hmm. Yeah, here's a sort of judgment call question. Though yeah. One of the things I've noticed over the years is that a lot of parents put huge pressure on their kids yeah, to make a profession of faith. Yes. Mm-hmm. Almost as if, if we can just get them to make a profession of faith and become members of the church, they're safe. Right. Uh, my wife and I, we took a very different mm-hmm. strategy with our boys. We, we prayed with them, we read the Bible with them, taught them a small catechism but by and large we put no pressure on them to make a profession of faith mm-hmm. because at the back of my mind whether this is my residual inner baptist coming out <laughs> i don't know but for me there was always that element of until they leave home and stand on their own two feet i won't believe that they've really mm-hmm. grasped it themselves and praise the lord both my sons uh, professed faith towards the end of their first year at, at university mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so we rejoice and praise the Lord for that. Yes. But there was a sense in which there were certain questions they had to wrestle with mm-hmm. standing on their own two feet outside of the home rather than doing a profession of faith as a means of pleasing mum and dad. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, how, do you, how do you handle that? Because that's a real, it's a, it's particularly today when there are so many temptations. Mm-hmm when the kids leave home, yeah. that, that desire to make sure my kids are spiritually safe before they go, right. which can translate itself into creating a cultural environment where becoming a member of the church is a sort of rite of passage that should automatically happen at a certain age exactly. in order to magically protect them from what's right. going on. And I think that's a bad thing. I sympathize mm-hmm. with the motivation behind it. Mm-hmm. How would you advise, Amy, I mean, you, you wrestle with this with your girls. How would you Yeah, I'm going through that right now still that? because my son is 13 and he's, I think, ready. He wants to make a profession of faith. He's and really delighted. I have to say as well, Amy's son, really delighted. My, my wife would love boy. to kidnap him and <laughs> bring him up in Western Pennsylvania if he got the chance. His, Sunday, his new Sunday school teacher is one of my good friends, and she came up to me after the first class for the fall and she said, I just want to hug Hayden. Yeah. <laughs> People feel that way a lot about me as about well, you, but go yeah, ahead. Yeah, of course. But um, yeah, so my daughters, I felt like 
maybe we did pressure them a little too much. They were about the same age as him, mm-hmm. maybe like 12, 13. Mm-hmm. And we're like, you know, it's, it's probably time and let's take the membership class. And, and they're both like, yeah, yeah, we want mm-hmm. to. And, you know, of course, the, the kids want to take communion real bad right. and, and be like included right. in that way. But um, I don't know. I don't feel like we properly put the weight on them as much mm-hmm. with Hayden. Like, um, so they offer the, the class in middle school. And so he, he took it. And um, I just told him, and my husband told him, we're like, you know, when you're ready, you, you tell us. And, and we want actually him to be the one to go to the elders mm-hmm. and tell them and not through us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and so he was like, okay. And, and he didn't say anything. So we, I didn't push it. But now um, a couple of his friends at church mm-hmm. have come forward and made a profession. And they're one year, two years older than mm-hmm. him. And so he, he asked me again, he's like, what is it that I have to do? And, and, but then now <laughs> yeah. I feel like, well, is he doing it because of them? Right. And so I'm kind of in this yeah. iffy state. Matt and I were talking about <clears> it. Just um, we're, we're still, I'm waiting for him to take any kind of initiative. And I, and I know, and I've, I've looked at you and Katrina, because you guys waited, uh, or your sons were like older. They yeah, were like, they were 19, 18, yeah, 19. 19. And I remember how um, excited you were and I, so well i heard about it secondhand if you remember i'm the pastor of the church right. first i hear about my kids professing faith both times <laughs> is that one of my elders circulates oh, really? and we need to interview john and then we need to interview peter neither time had either of my sons bothered to call me and say hey dad <laughs> I'm faith. Oh, by the way and i recused myself from the interview precisely mm-hmm. because yeah, i wanted my elders mm-hmm. to give my hard time mm-hmm. yeah let's make yeah. sure this is yeah. genuine i want my mm-hmm. bias as a dad feeding right. into it. Sorry, I'm out. Yeah, and I know I our, our elders you. asked the girls because, you know, when we transferred our membership, when we moved to Frederick um, and we went from PCA to OPC and that, they asked the girls some hard questions. Well, they were stepping up in stand. <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> just because you're in the PCA, it doesn't mean we're going to let you into the OPC. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we, we, have, you know, we have a certain... Yeah, so, I mean, I, I'm, I don't know. I'm just kind of praying about that and, and waiting and seeing. I mean, he shows a lot of signs, of course, but that does one quote do by Luther. <laughs> does he do yoga? No, he doesn't do, oh, doesn't good, do yoga, good, so Todd good. would even approve. I'm he's sure that, that would be one of Todd's his so, his interview soul is questions. Safe then. Okay, so let, let me ask this then. Uh, we will have some folks that aren't Presbyterian and don't have a background there are, are going to be asking questions like, what I find is when I have these kinds of conversations with people that aren't Presbyterian, you have to wade through a mountain of misunderstandings. Mm. Things like, well, you know, if you're Presbyterian, you know, you, you never have to profess faith, you know, because you got baptized as an infant and da 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 da. Mm. And so there's all kinds of yeah. misunderstandings. Right. So please understand that Presbyterians believe that the covenant of grace must be responded to with, yeah. with repentance and, it's and faith. It's a big deal. Yeah. Like, I think of that Martin Luther quote of, you know, there's two things a man must do alone mm-hmm. believe and die. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, I just, was talking to my oldest daughter. I see her having to like take ownership of that now. Mm-hmm. What is that age of accountability yeah, or right. whatever? And I wonder, I'm so glad though, on the other hand, that she has participated in the Lord's Supper mm-hmm. all this time leading up to now where she's having, you know, she's at college and mm-hmm. she's having to personalize it a lot more. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I shared that quote with her as she's kind of having some trouble with a friend and you know, it's so connected, believing mm-hmm. and dying. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> and just mm. that that's something she needs to do on right. her own. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think as well, you know, Baptists need to understand that we think when the sign of the covenant is put on a child, it's not doing anything magical. Right. right. What it's doing is it's, as it's presenting the child with the promises right. and the threats. Exactly. Right, I, that's what I'm I saying, the weight Baptism, of that. Baptism mm-hmm. has a 
judgment dimension mm -hmm. yes. to it. When I baptize children, I smash water down. <laughs> <laughs> they, they often cry because I think there is that baptism symbolizes, doesn't just symbolize uh, rising to new life, it mm -hmm. also symbolizes judgment. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I think the child that grows up in the covenant is then faced with, I have the covenant sign on me. Yes. Mm -hmm. And I have, I, I have the, the choice. Do I choose God or do I choose judgment? Right. I, I think that that's what the, the, the sign does. It, yeah, exactly. And it, and it becomes kind of a <clears> preachment <throat> to them their, their whole life uh, and, and something by which we are able to point to an objective moment in their life where um, God placed his claim on them, so to speak, um, in, in the assembly of the church. And to my mind, the only way to make sense of the warning passages in Hebrews mm -hmm. is through the historic reformed approach to how we treat our children. Mm. Uh, it's the only way to understand those warning passages. So here, uh, so here is a tough question. Mm -hmm. I'm going to fire it to Amy first. Gosh, mm -hmm. darn it. Mm -hmm. So, okay, your kids are baptized. They have the sign of the covenant. Why do we not allow our children then automatically by virtue of their birth to Christian parents mm -hmm. to have both signs of the covenant? Why is right. it? that we don't allow the children to, as soon as they're physically capable mm -hmm. of participating in the Lord's Supper. This is the, right. the hyper-covenantal question, the mm -hmm. pedo-communion yeah, question. What's the difference uh, between pedo-communion and pedo-baptism? Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. Right, because mm -hmm. when we put them under the sign of the covenant and baptism, we're doing that as non-communicant members. We're doing that saying that with the expectation that they will hopefully make a profession mm -hmm. of faith, but we don't treat them as if they did make a profession of faith. It's not um, justification by ecclesiology. Right. Um, and the Lord's Supper is... We still believe in justification right. by faith alone, in Christ alone, by grace alone. Right. So, um, when that, the, and the Lord's Supper is the covenant meal. It, it, it involves participation. Mm -hmm, and self-evaluation. Exactly. And that goes back to 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Yeah, I was um, going to say, 1 Corinthians yeah. 11 is Corinthians, the, the chapter mm -hmm. you've got to really hang right. a lot on at this and, point, and discerning this, the Lord's body. Exactly. And, you know, mm -hmm. and without 1 Corinthians chapter 11, I could far more easily understand why certain people advocate pedo communion but I cannot for the life of me understand justifying it with 1 Corinthians 11 in our hands, where it's clearly understood that those who come to the Lord's table must be able to discern uh, the, 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 the dying of Christ. Uh, they must be able to, to use Paul's words, to judge themselves uh, rightly so that they can either participate or not participate. And that severe um, language of, and that's why... Some many, of you are sick oh, and have fallen asleep. Right. That is. This was yeah. what we always emphasized with our boys, that mm -hmm. uh, becoming a member, a communicant member of the church was a serious thing. Right. It's not talismanic. It's not mm -hmm. making you safe from all of the stuff out there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's actually placing tremendous obligations yes. on you, not least as they focus on the Lord's Supper, that you right. have to understand what you're doing when you take the Lord's mm -hmm. Supper there, both mm -hmm. vertically and horizontally in terms of yeah, and right. significance. You know, yes. I've been to churches before where they practice pedo communion mm -hmm. and, you know, and I see the pastor up there being very serious as he's introducing it, you know, and mm -hmm. fencing the table. But then, you know, you see these two-year-olds like twirling around right. and being silly and all this stuff. Mm -hmm. And the next thing you know, they're, they're coming up to take communion. Mm -hmm. yeah. And, and, to me, I'm just... They, ha they haven't been able, and shocked. they're not able to do what is prescribed in 1 Corinthians 11. Mm -hmm. They're just not able they're to. They're not able yeah. to. And, mm -hmm. and, so it's and that's where you know, we understand that coming to the table is that public profession mm 
mm-hmm. of faith. It, the, it's the it's the being welcomed mm-hmm. to the table where that one who was baptized as an infant is now able to uh, publicly profess their 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 faith in Christ. And and that's again another I think misperception sometimes that some of our Baptist friends will have is they they don't know how a Presbyterian kid quote gets saved <laughs> you know they don't and that misunderstanding is is understandable if if you've never really seen that but but yeah I mean we we affirm the necessity of repentance and faith as much as any good Baptist does mm-hmm. and and have a an initiation right for that mm-hmm. if you like which is mm-hmm. through the church and involves examination and then a, a welcome to the table. We should also add, I think, that Presbyterian approach here allows for the range of conversions that one sees. Yes. Because not everybody has the crisis experience. Right. right. Where one moment they're hellbound and the mm-hmm. next minute they're saved. Some people, I put myself in this category, mm-hmm. uh, come to faith over an extended period of time. Right. Other people, uh, and I suspect many children brought up in Presbyterian homes, by the time they come to profess faith, if you actually said to them, well, when did you come to believe in Jesus? Mm-hmm. They would I never probably say, believe. I never didn't believe in him. Right. I've always believed in him. It's just that over time, I've, I've come to realize the full significance sure. of mm-hmm. Jesus and the full mm-hmm. significance of being a church member. Yeah. So I think the, the flexibility of, of the Presbyterian approach relative to the real range of mm-hmm. Christian experiences. I remember yeah. some at college, some Christians struggling to take seriously the faith of somebody who hadn't had a crisis exactly. experience. Yeah. Exactly. And then it became almost the crisis right. that was what Conjure saved, that up. Not, not Christ. Exactly. And that was the milieu that I was raised in and that most of the people I grew up with were, were raised in. Mm-hmm. Um, it was, you know, it's, it's the revivalistic, yeah. conversionalistic. And, and by saying that, I'm not anti-conversion, I'm pro-conversion. Right. But it's that... It has to Glad look. To hear it, man. <laughs> it has to look like this, and yeah. and again, I, I'm experience. one of the exactly. I'm one of the few of my friends, yeah. having grown up in a very large Southern yeah. Baptist church. I'm one of the few of my friends who was only baptized once. Mm. Because, yeah, double dipped. Exactly, because they're taken through. You know, when you're listening to these revivalistic sermons from the time you're a little child, it's by a lot the time, of pressure to walk exactly, forward. Exactly. You know, you you got. Saved and baptized when you were six or seven through vacation Bible school. And then you're yeah. 13, 14, and 15 listening to these revivalistic sermons, and you realize, well, maybe I didn't believe enough, yeah. or maybe I didn't mean it enough. And so this time I have to really get saved. So it's more about you. Uh-huh. And, you know, go, going back to, you just nailed the whole VBS mm-hmm. getting, quote unquote, right. saved at six and seven. That is exactly the experience I had. Sure. Which yeah. is interesting because I think that the covenantal understanding in the Presbyterian church helps us to be patient. Yes. And I, that's how I remember I was in VBS and the teacher said, are you saved? Right. And right. I'm like, what? And, and it was the whole, like, did you pray the prayer? Mm-hmm. And um, when she's telling me, like, I believed I already knew everything that she said, mm-hmm. prayed every night with my parents, you know, right. prayed all those things, mm-hmm. but we didn't call it the prayer. And, right. and then I had officially <laughs> prayed the prayer. And so the, the teacher prayed the prayer with me and then I got baptized but it was all this like pressure, like oh, you might course. go to hell tomorrow if you didn't if you pray the prayer prayed right the prayer. tonight. Mm-hmm. And, and so it was that moment of conversion was me praying this prayer right. that was somehow more special than all the other prayers I've prayed. Exactly. And um, so it was, you put too much pressure on your kids too mm-hmm. early, I think, to take that on. Yeah, and so there's no theology of the new birth and the mysterious working of the Holy Spirit that Jesus 
told us mm -hmm. about um, it was a in, formula. in John chapter three exactly. And so, what is great again about the flexibility of this of this particular you know this reformed understanding of the covenant is mm -hmm. that it 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 allows parents to be a little bit more restful, yeah, <laughs> and uh, to not be panicky and to be able to say, it's okay, trust in the Lord there exactly to be able to say about my child, okay, my child has heard the gospel all of his life. He's received the sign of the covenant. He knows these things. Um, is it possible that he will or she will walk away and reject the faith? That's possible. It's sad. We've seen it happen. It's happened throughout the history of God's covenant people. Mm -hmm. But we're also able to say, I nevertheless have a faithful expectation. Given that this child has heard these promises all of his or her life, I'm still carrying on in faith to trust. Yeah. Well, uh, it's been an interesting discussion. Um, we're thinking of renaming the podcast, The Bald and the Beautiful. I, think mm, I like uh, that. Um, <laughs> we hope you've enjoyed our discussion today on a very important topic, the, the role of children in the church. If you're a Baptist and want to complain, please uh, send, <laughs> uh, address your emails to Todd Pruitt at the Alliance <laughs> of Confessing Evangelicals. Uh, Please visit our website, mortificationofspin.org. And if you go there today, not only will you have an opportunity to donate uh, some money because we're a listener-supported podcast, you'll also have a chance to win one of our giveaways, which is Children at the Lord's Table. And that's a question. Children at the Lord's Table, question mark, assessing the case for pedo-communion uh, by Cornelis P. Venema. Uh, Cornell Venemer is the uh, president of Mid-America Reformed Seminary. That's an excellent book on the status of children within the covenant in the New Testament. Uh, in the meantime, it uh, just remains for me to say thank you for listening. Thank you for supporting us. We look forward to being back in our new bunker in Western Pennsylvania next week. And we'll see you then. I don't mind the guys with my Thanks for listening to Mortification of Spin, a podcast of the Alliance of Confessing Evangelicals. Visit the podcast page and blog at mortificationofspin.org, where we'll have links and other articles from Amy, Carl, and Todd. And while you're there, please subscribe and consider making a donation. And be sure to listen next time when Carl, Todd, and Amy talk about... I mean, I've said this number of times over the years and been heavily criticized for saying Martin Luther would not have regarded Zwinglians as being really very Christians. Mm -hmm. Certainly wouldn't regard them as being very good Christians. Mm -hmm. uh, that Martin Luther would, would not have uh, been willing to join hands with Baptists. And that's not to say that's a good thing that Luther wouldn't do that, but there is something ironic about the way Martin Luther has been co-opted as an evangelical hero. Right. Right. We'll talk to you next time on Mortification of Spin.
and you guys also have to see the green button. Oh, cough switch. Cough switch. If you need to cough. Okay. A cough switch? Wow. This All is... my dreams have come true. Do I have one of those? <laughs> <laughs> you don't cough. <laughs> and Amy, Amy, that they call it a cough switch, but for your purposes, it is a belch switch also. So keep that in mind. Amy has an issue with gas, upper, you know. She whiz. <laughs> 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 These are the outtakes right here, baby. <laughs>